You are about to opt in to Monerotopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. How's it going? Cheerios. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I'm, I'm not going to wear this stuff. No, you're not going to wear it. <laughs> this is the mask we got for um, for the protest that never was. The protest that never was. But it's all well, this, good. This is a prototype. didn't really come out as... As well as we had, <laughs> I'd really hope <laughs> it has CODIS speech on the top, united for privacy, and then BTC because the yeah, guy that made the, the test version for BTC. <laughs> the idea was that you would have been able to buy the mask with any crypto you wanted, and then we would put that crypto on so people know which crypto you used. It's a cool idea. Know, some people probably don't even know what I'm talking about right now. No, they're like, well, but yeah, that, that was the protest that didn't happen. That was the protest. Siddhartha designed a beautiful version of this, but it was too hard to to print on there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been beautiful. Well, he did yeah. a good job on the poster, the beautiful poster. I know. Well, he's going to send it to me now. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, so we'll we can hang that behind up. Us. And we can hang this up. No, we're not hanging that up. Yeah, this is cool. I like it. I'm not hanging that up. That is creepy. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't like this mask, obviously. Whatever. It's the, guy, get, the guy Fox mask, man. I know, it's creepy. It's a little on the creepy side. Yeah, that's the problem. People associate anonymity, anonymity with the creepiness. It's got, it's got a bad rap. Well, the scary Dude, movies we get, we out there, I guess. That. That's part of the problem. People think privacy and anonymous, being anonymous <laughs> is associated with bad shit. It's scary. Ooh, boogie, boogie, boogie. Shouldn't be. Happy Halloween. But that's why again. we're Monerotopia. It's not scary. Okay. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, protest isn't happening, but we're still hanging out. We're still hanging out. If you guys are in New York, Monday on Halloween night, 6 p.m., um, it's going to be near Washington Square Park. Uh, we haven't decided where exactly yet, but. I'm getting a little fuzziness on my. I think it's your stuff over here. Yeah. No? I'll fix it, anyways. But. um. Yeah, if for those that are in town, uh, we did. Uh, we're we haven't decided exactly where, but it's going to be definitely near Washington Square Park. If you're familiar with New York, you know it's a that's it's where a all fun the action yeah, goes that's where, down. Yeah, that's, that's where, where the, parade the parade starts. Is. So, so yeah, even if we're not, we'll probably just like park crawl or whatever. But yeah, yeah. we'll pick a given spot. Yeah, we'll gonna be, there's tons of people now. There. Yeah, it's very so, crowded. at least it used to be. I don't know. For all yeah, I know. I'm assuming it's got to be back in full swing right now. Yeah. It is. I've said it before. It's New York. I think it's New York City at its best. When you go to the Halloween parade in New York, in the Village, it's awesome. Yeah, Good stuff. People just uh, expressing themselves. <laughs> expressing themselves. <laughs> so yeah, we'll post the the location once we decide. Probably this weekend on the meetup page, or you know, obviously, message us on Telegram. 
Oh, and we already got you. somebody who will be there who's for, who's doesn't live in the New York area yeah. that we know is uh, we know for a long time in the Monero community. And I don't want to name, you know, yeah, I don't want to name, name names, yeah, but, uh, you know, you'll meet someone that you'll be like, oh, a very high status. In my you. Book. Well, you don't know them, but, you know, Internet friend. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe you don't. <laughs> maybe you don't, maybe you do. We don't even really know. <laughs> I don't even know which accounts he's he's controlling on Twitter. <laughs> I got my ideas, though. Oh, goodness. So, yeah. So, if you're in New York, definitely stop by. It'll be fun. You know, dress up. Don't dress up. Whatever your heart desires. I will be wearing this wig because Doug really loves it. No, you so, <laughs> I hate that wig. He hates the wig. It's not. I mean, it's a cool wig. Well, I don't think you hate the wig. You ha- He hates straight hair. No, I hate tell. straight hair on you. Yes. Because you have beautiful, natural, curly, amazing yes, hair. And- once I don't hate blue. straight hair. I hate you with straight hair. Oh, God. I don't hate you. I hate. I hope not. That would be kind of depressing. <laughs> Should we tell our costumes? No, we won't. Well, maybe we'll uh, we'll just take a picture. We'll just take a picture and see if people It's such guess. a big surprise. It's a big surprise. It's nothing crypto related. <laughs> but I feel like there's some other important things we got to bring up. Is Ooh. there anything else? Uh, oh, um, Mexico or Miami. Yeah. Oh, so you guys voted last week. You sent the uh, 0.001 Monero to the address of your your choice, given your vote. We got, I think, we got 20 votes. Obviously, we didn't really spread it much more than this. I don't even think. Did we tweet it? We tweeted it. Yeah, we tweeted it. We we, we didn't really push it too hard. So it's yeah, because you know, we we also it's not, it's not the largest confused. largest sample size, but yeah, 20 votes, and it was like it was basically I think like 15 Mexico and five Miami. Yeah. Something like that, which I feel like those who really want Mexico would be more active towards doing. Some people said they voted twice. Obviously, you can vote as many times as you want. We wouldn't know. But we're not opposed to Mexico at all. No. Theoretically, we'd love to. We'd rather do it in Mexico. It's. It was just there was conveniences with Miami. There was like it would have just been easier. Right. And and more guaranteed, I feel like, in terms of like success. But we're totally down for Mexico. So we're actually going to go check out Mexico next week, pretty much. Next uh, two yeah. weeks. Like, kind of like a... And uh, we're going to go to Mexico City. We already have our eye on a potential venue. We're not saying we're doing it there yet, but we're going to go look. We're going to make so... We'll, we'll make our final decision, I guess, after we do that, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The only thing... What, what's up? You're, you're no, because... Yeah, I'm freaking out because it's still not in sync. So, but whatever. whatever. It's okay. What are you going to do? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Your wig looks bad anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I was trying to liven up the mood for Halloween, and this one's a buzz killing tit over I here. need to get you a wig. If we're going to do a wig, you need to do no, like a No, you're going to do like, wig. what is it called? Tina Turner, probably. <laughs> a Tina Turner. I don't know that. Anyway, we're going down to Mexico City. So maybe actually we're already meeting up with some people from the Monero community down there, but maybe we can make do a public thing on like yeah, yeah. Friday night. Or Thursday night? Thursday night, probably. Yeah, we could all meet at a bar down there. So that would probably be November 8th, Thursday? No, 9th. November, November 9th, 9th on 8th Thursday? election day. So November, no, all right, no, guys. You November wanted 10th, Mexico. November 10th. So I assume there's there's some people down there. Come on out. Let's so yeah, then, yeah we'll, we'll be... We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll announce that we're... But like the Airbnb it. we got, and we got the Airbnb next to where we think we're doing the conference. I'm excited. Like the... That looks super chill, that area. It looks cool. Yeah. Well, Mexico, I mean, we and weren't the, there the for that long. Looks, but... I like it. 
like yeah it's it's cool yeah it's cool it's well mexico so we, in general we, see. we don't even know if we can get this venue we're talking like yeah a, yeah but we're gonna go check it out see what's going on there that should be really cool yeah but in the meantime miami's still moving ahead in terms of we're negotiating with these people it's like taking for like they're very unresponsive even though we worked with them last year right it's oh my god yeah it out. took forever it's not that they don't want it it's just we, she's like ex- this she's woman's extremely busy. busy i think she runs like yeah different like several the hotels, only reason we made progress venues. is because we went down there in her face and like met her for whatever last last month yeah, I don't know. I'm surprised Otherwise, we even got that. She's meeting. like off the map. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna show up for the conference and be like, "Remember, we kind of had a we." It was a handshake. Yeah, that's that. That was a it's, yeah. It's a a weird process. I don't know yeah. why it takes so long. I mean, I understand she's super busy, but that was I mean, intense it's like, dealing with her. Like there, there's there's was, pros and cons good. to that as well. It was good. Well, pros and cons to both, right? Yeah. I don't know people that are excited about Miami might be upset that we're doing in Mexico. She did not like that. We all showed up the day before and started setting up. Well, we we did kind of, yeah, we showed up at like 4 p.m. the day before. And, you know, it's all about, uh, venue <laughs> yeah this Monerotopia will be two days de- definitely two days instead of one miami if we get that venue it looks like a super chill vibe like type of place where you can just hang out all the time yeah, yeah it looks pretty cool so we'll see i guess we'll see when we're there we'll make a final decision i guess in like two weeks but it's yep, definitely yep. happening guys Monerotopia. We, we are listening to the people <laughs> for all we know it's one person I know. Sent, sent all the votes <laughs> It's well, not. It's not some, a direct democracy, well, guys. There, though, there right were here. some people that did admit that they sent like two transactions to their vote. So yeah. it could be, could be just one person. Ultimately, we decide. Yes, because remember, yeah. it's just the two of us. I mean, it's yes, not decentralized. It's centralized around us. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, la- last conference was awesome, but yeah, it was a lot. There's of advantages work. to not having the entire community involved in doing things like this. It makes it. There, well, yeah, we can pivot. And there's yeah. advantages, but major advantages. Yeah, we could right. We could pivot, make we decisions can, fast. Depending on yeah, what we think is the right yeah. way to do it, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good analogy for Monero itself. Yeah. So yeah. So stay tuned, guys. I mean, we're excited to go to Mexico, check it out, and make a final decision. <laughs> yep. It's tough. Is it's that tough. it? I think it's. Yeah, I think else? that's really it. Yeah, Miami, Monero, Topia. And the meetup the Monday. So stay tuned on the location. And that's really it. Unless you have anything else to say, my friend. Nope. I think that's it. Okay. So let's uh, bring on our guest, our special guest of the week. Woohoo. The Monerotopia guest segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. Hello, hello, hello. Nick, what's going on? Hey, great to meet you guys. Great to meet you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for staying up late (laughs) for us. My pleasure. I'm a long-time listener of the show, and it's great to just get to actually see you guys. Oh, cool, man. Cool. Cool. Appreciate that. I'll be honest with you, man. I, I I didn't have much time to do do uh, my research on you. Gonzalo reached out. He's like, "We got to have this guy on the show." So I, I'm pretty much starting to scratch with you. So uh, give give, it, give us the lowdown. Oh, good. Gee, where to start? I've been doing crypto things for some years now. I wrote a book about crypto. I wrote a book about I wrote a book about why Christians should be libertarians, and that ultimately led me way down the crypto rabbit hole. Oh wow. Um, 
I've written some software around Monero. I'm a writer, but I'm also a, a coder. So um, wait, 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 hold on. Wait, let's back up for a second. You wrote, initially wrote a book on why, what was it? Why Catholic? Yeah, so I, the whole thing started for me when I went to Bible college and I tried to write this book about, well, I write, tried to write my master's essay okay. around why or really what would be like a biblical framework for, for taxes, for what the right ethical level of taxation should be. And I did all this academic reading. And by the time I was done, I had this whole other different view of it. I, I thought it was going to come out one way. In the end, I was like, oh, gee, the right answer is get rid of the government completely. I'm now an anarchist. And so I took all that research and made it into a book. And in the process of that, I also just went way down kind of the Austrian economics, sound money, crypto rabbit hole. And uh, because Amazing. I'm also, also a software engineer, I pretty quickly wound up looking very seriously in Monero. And uh, yeah, that's so uh, what, what's kind of your, your overall thesis then? Like how are how are you? We, we, we like to say all roads lead to Monero. Is that essentially what you're saying? And, and if so, why? Like <laughs> what, 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 what is your, your thesis? So I guess I have a pretty narrow set of cryptocurrencies I'm interested in. Uh, so I think the way I'd like to put it is that I think the the Bitcoin maximalists, I think, are almost right. <laughs> they have some good points. There is a lot of stuff in the crypto space that isn't actually all that useful. Uh, so I think the you know, far and away, the main useful thing that you can do with the kind of cryptocurrency innovations is digital cash. And so I'm basically really only interested in stuff that has a reasonable shot at actually being that digital cash for the world and for the internet. And uh, yeah, once you once you get that far, the options are pretty limited, and Monero is very high on that list. Uh, not exclusively in Monero, for reasons we can talk about if you want, but pretty big on Monero since uh, since the Canadian trucker protest. I think I was chatting with Monero Mateo about that. I just the penny dropped for me. I think when the Canadian trucker protest happened, that there was nothing except Monero that I was comfortable even considering sending to people in that situation. Yeah, that was a that was a pivotal moment for a lot of people. That was a real catalyst for for Monero. Yeah, so I actually I worked on uh, like a mixer, like sort of like a coin join thing, but not exactly for another crypto. Uh, so I've I've done a lot of thinking about privacy tech on clear ledgers, and uh, even even with that background, I kind of went no, <laughs> it's only Monero for this use case. What do you what do you think of the tornado cat? What's going on with tornado cash and the OFAC? Uh, it gave me a little bit of chill because I had worked on a mixer. <laughs> mm -hmm. I sort of thought, oh, they're arresting people who do that now. Fortunately, the stuff that I've worked on only really ever got into this sort of pre-alpha stage. I, I sort of left off working on it because of uh, you know reasons we could get into if you want to go down that road. But yeah, it's sort oh. of I was a bit nervous about that for a few days. <laughs> Uh, but you know, so far no one's come knocking on the door, so I haven't worried too much about it. Um, I get the, it's, you know, I think it's a travesty ethically, obviously. I get the sense we we got to do a full Monero talk one of these days, man. We we got a lot to talk I'd about. Be down. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty to talk about. So what what is uh what is the name of the book? Uh, the crypto book or the tax book? The crypto book. Well, both actually. The tax book sounds fascinating. Actually, what, what's yeah? Give us both. So. Uh, the textbook is just called Taxation is Slavery. Nice. Uh, because 
that was my that was my takeaway after I sat and read everything I could find in the Bible about taxes. I went, actually, this is what the Bible says. Uh, that's a pretty radical view to take. I, you know, admittedly, uh, but that is a heavy book. That's uh, that's fairly academic. I think it's about 400 pages. And yeah, if you if you're the kind of person that likes reading philosophers and likes Greek and Hebrew words and all that kind of really heavy technical stuff, that's for you. But don't expect to yeah don't expect to read that in a day. It was it was my master's thesis. Uh, the crypto book is called Crypto uh, Crypto for Conservatives. Like I said, I'm really more of an anarchist, but it's uh, it's more of a reference to conservative investors and speculators. So the idea of that one is that uh, it's a book on crypto for people who are uh, don't want to be gamblers, who want to take a really kind of informed, intelligent view, want to do their due diligence, want to approach the crypto space, taking well thought out risks that they understand, and not just kind of gambling on whatever the yeah i love is. that I, li I like to yeah. think i'm one of those people i mean that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah and so it wants to, i wanted to talk about the the kind of dirty little secrets that people hyping a coin usually don't mention mm -hmm. so I, I obviously i talk about monero a bunch in the book because it's one that i'm very, one of very few that i'm very interested in but i'm also i don't try to go too easy on monero either i point out some things where monero may have some you know, speed bumps along the way and stuff that will have to be overcome if it's going to be mass adopted and all this kind of thing. And I'm fairly harshly critical of BTC. So what are, yeah, what are your top, what are your, the coins that you're interested in, the ones that you think can actually do, you know, perform the function of digital cash? So there's really only three that I've, have kind of met my bar for, doesn't have to be perfect, but I think has real potential for a lot of people to want to use it. Don't tell me Dash, uh, man. Don't tell me Dash. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the the end button right uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Dash. I have I have a list at the end of towards the end of the book. I have a list of my like, honorable mentions. Okay, so okay. This is kind of my this is my second string, my B team. They go. These are pretty good. They're not scams, but they didn't quite make my grade. And then do you have a list after that list for alter like like Verge? Where's Verge? Honestly, I can't say I've gone that far down the rabbit hole on Verge. I couldn't tell you a lot about Verge, so I don't want to call it out too hard. No, I couldn't tell you a lot about Verge. But I, let, yeah, I didn't no, I didn't call out a bunch of particular things as, as scam coins. I just kind of went, here are my A team, here are my B team. So Dash is on my B team. I mean, you know, it works. Okay. If, it, if it works for you, that's fine. I don't, there's, you know, I'm not sure I really love the governance model, uh, but that's, you know, some people I'm sure would. The three that made my A team are obviously Monero and Bitcoin Cash. And uh, with uh, you know, with an asterisk, with a little bit of more of a risk premium, is Nano. Oh wow! Okay, okay. So, so, yeah, so Bitcoin you know, Cash. Monero talk not that long ago, who also came in via Nano and wound up at Monero. So your Bitcoin Cash over Bitcoin Lightning Network. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we can talk about that. Why, if you want to talk about that, uh, you've had Mark Falzon on a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's cool. There's a there's a real big overlap with the Bitcoin Cash and Monero communities, right? Yeah. So for me, I think I see Bitcoin Cash and Monero as kind of mutually hedging some of each other's technical decisions and trade-offs. There's just a lot of things where you could go kind of side one or side two, and those two coins have gone opposite directions. So things like, um, you know, is asset resistance a great thing? Or does it have some issues and there are actually some advantages to having ASICs? 
Well, Bitcoin Cash is an asset coin in Monero. It's not how big of a deal is fixed supply versus tail emission. Well, Bitcoin Cash has got a fixed supply and Monero's got a tail emission. Just those kind of things where you could make an argument both ways and then mostly take opposite sides to each other. So it's a nice, nice technical hedge if there turns out to be some some flaw that we haven't anticipated down the road. What, what do you think of this idea that, that some coins to their advantage are corruptible enough Right, so it's like they're not—they're not completely uh, resistant to being taken over, but to you know, to to their benefit, it's it's becoming helps the number go up, right? So like traditional BTC, right? It's perhaps one advantage is that you know nation states are adopting it. It's defanged to a degree. It's a crypto, but it may not be as disruptive as something like a Monero if everything we're using it. But maybe, maybe that's actually an advantage. So kind of this, this uh, middle road where it's friendly, friendly to governments. Yeah. I see the argument people are making there. It's not crazy. And particularly, you know, the crypto book I wrote is really for people who want to make money. So from that angle, that's maybe something worth considering. Right. Uh, but for me... Sure, I'd love to make some money off crypto, but I'm I'm in it for the revolution. Make crypto scary again. Word, word, uh, exactly. But then right? also Life's also make short. it not scary, right? This is I want to see people buying their their pet food with Monero. I, I do, I, I do buy, I do totally buy unscary things with Monero. Funny you say, I do buy pet food with Monero, right? Not really. The, that was a uh, as an example I heard Roger Ver use once. Cheese, it's cottage cheese <laughs> for cats and dogs, and yogurt for cats and dogs. <laughs> It's really funny. It tastes, but, the yogurt tastes good, but yeah. it's you know not really for cats and dogs because it because it's raw. So uh, Doug is kind of like a know, pet. black black market <laughs> dairy. Like what kind of world are we living? Like this this is why you know these are the things people aren't realizing. This is there's, we're going to see more of that right and more into this pushed in this direction of things that aren't yet in the black market will be in the black market. And Absolutely, that's where you're going to see. The use case for something like Monero to grow, right? right that's, yeah, that's yeah. if CBDCs saying. come in, everything's going to go black market at some level, I think. So, what do you see as um, you know the outcome, right? So, what what is a Monero? What if it, whether it's Monero or something else? So what does a, a true digital cash world look like? Where this technology exists, it's you know reached its point of kind of max adoption. What it, what does that world look like in especially you know contrary to to the nation states like how how are they all going to coexist how, how do you envision it? Gee, that's a big question. <laughs> no, I know um, it is, but I'd love to hear your your take, man. I guess the first thing I'd want to say is that none of us totally knows what it would look like at the point of max adoption if we really had kind of fairly global adoption of especially of a reasonably private crypto. I don't think we can entirely predict. But I do think it's a lot better in a lot of ways. I think, you know, the two biggest, most far-reaching consequences I see for that, basically, politicians have less power and therefore we have a freer world with you know, more prosperity and less war. And, you know, I think you know, freedom and prosperity go hand in hand. And, you know, I think society is dramatically better off the more the more stuff is done on the market and voluntarily. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, no, that, that's my thesis for sure. I mean, I hope we're on the right side of history here. <laughs> for sure. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's really hard to say. There'll be 
the more it's black market, the more it looks kind of like a farmer's market and people are you know, sort of trading that way. And it's it can be hard to find particular things, but when you do, they're surprisingly cheap and of high quality. On the other hand, if, if crypto becomes a thing that's kind of accepted, socially accepted on you know, what you might call the white market, you know, that's that's a whole other ballgame. Like if you could go into the local kind of normie shopping mall and everywhere accepts crypto and everywhere accepts private crypto, gee, that's that's a radically different world. I think it's really hard to even plot out some of the far-reaching positive consequences of that. So this is one of the things I really appreciated about uh, Seferdin Amush and some of the stuff that he wrote. He really, he makes you think about all the like second order consequences or the second order negative consequences of the fiat world. Mm -hmm. What do you think is Monero's greatest obstacle to, you know, to achieving, uh, you know, adoption like that? That kind of sort of nation state or even global level adoption, I think scaling. Really? Okay. This is, so from, from the, my fairly early days, you don't, you don't believe in the dynamic, in, in the dynamic block size and. Oh, I totally believe in it. I think it's a great idea. I, you know, which things would adopt it. That was that was a great move. The trouble with with any truly fungible coin, this is not even specific to Monero, but if a coin is actually fungible, that makes it much more difficult to prune. Uh, uh, yeah, that yeah, means yeah. there's a lot of data you've kind of got to retain. And so at that scale, uh, running a node becomes expensive pretty quickly. I don't know. I mean, it is it is prunable to a degree, obviously not to the yeah. extent that Bitcoin is. Yeah, so I run a prune Monero node, and, and I also run a pruned BCH node. Right. Uh, so I kind of, I see the practicalities there. And there's yeah, I mean, level it, where... it really, it really comes down to, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, really, in my mind, it really comes down to whether, and the Arctic Mine basically talks about this, right? Whether yeah. or not you... You know the infra Nielsen's law is 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 true and correct, and you know bandwidth can scale and hardware can scale with the organic growth of Monero itself. And I would, I I personally am on the side. Obviously, I think it, it can, but yeah, I've, I'm not a thousand percent certain. But from given my current understanding of technology, I would bet that it it. Doesn't it wouldn't have an issue doing that? I mean, what's your what's do you listen? I'm sure you listen to all the Arctic Mines talks and stuff. Yeah, all of it. So, what do you see uh, as being you know, the leap of faith there? So, I'm with you in that I think, uh, like, I'm a big blocker at heart, if you want to put it that way. You know, I think that we can scale on chain to a very, very large degree, larger than most people think. I did a long tweet thread about that recently, but that was kind of more. I was running the numbers based on BCH and. This kind of thing, but I think it mostly applies to Monero as well. But I think the struggle is that uh, just between the two, I think Monero has a little bit more of an uphill battle there because you have to retain some information about every transaction ever in the network. And least you, you need to have at least access to a key image about every transaction ever because you might have to check for a double spend against it. You might have to verify a ring signature that includes that transaction at any time in the future uh, where you don't have that with a clear ledger coin. You can say, this coin was spent. I never have to think about it ever again. I can prune it completely. There's some information that the network needs to retain. Yeah, but isn't so that, isn't in, that in just... Hot um, memory. Right, right. 
But isn't that potentially... Um, there's, there's things we can do about that. We can mitigate that. And so I've actually worked on software to try and work around that, uh, which we can talk about if you like. I don't think that's necessarily a showstopper for Monero adoption, but it is a, it's a trade-off. It's, a, it's an engineering trade-off. Yeah, and I apologize. I feel like I'm ta- I, I was accidentally speaking over you. It's because I think we're lagging oh, here. We're, we're lagging. Yeah, no problems. Yeah, man. We we need to do a Monero talk because we because we could go into all these things. I would love to, I would love to cover all these bases more more deeply with you, dude. Maybe maybe you want to maybe you want to be a speaker at Monero Tokyo. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side of the world, I, I definitely can't be there in person. <laughs> no, you can't. You you wouldn't be able to come to uh, Mexico. <laughs> Mexico, you just no. I have, uh, yeah, I've actually this week I've been listening to a podcast about moving to Mexico. <laughs> no, I'm saying <laughs> really we, interesting. But, uh, we, no, we, no, I have um, I have a couple of small children. I have, I have two under okay. two. Not really in a position to travel to the other side of the world. Okay, yeah, yeah, no worries. I got it. Bring your kids, man. <laughs> I was think he's lagging on his end now. What would that take? <laughs> no, I can I can hear you guys. I... <laughs> have you have you been to this side of the world? Sorry, to Europe, but not the USA. Oh, okay. Not the uh, not the Americas. Ah, I don't know. Well, we're, we're we thinking did Hawaii for a honeymoon. I don't, that probably doesn't count. Yeah. We're thinking of doing it in the spring, so you, you might have some time to figure things out. Yeah, you get some time. Yeah, I don't know. I'll right, talk man. to the wife about it. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. Can you can you hang out with us a little bit? We're gonna we want to yeah, jump sure. to the next section. All right, yeah, cool. we're gonna uh, jump onto the yeah the price report. But yeah, please stay. All right. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Great to meet you. You yeah, too. You too man. The Monerotopia Price Report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat, peer to peer. Hello, body. Hello, hello. Body, what's going on? People are excited. But okay. man. Body always has the greatest analysis. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's been on Reddit for a long time. I share a lot of charts and stuff. So, uh, all right, let's. Uh, Let's get into it. All right, here's the chart that uh, you know everybody really wants to see go up more than anything. Lifetime chart. You know, we um, we broke down through this thing, uh, through this uh, this wedge or this rising triangle. I don't like having broken down from that, but um, you can see these these areas here that we're kind of sitting at. This is uh, fairly prominent for um, a big portion of uh, Monero's lifetime. Here's the SMA ribbons or the SMA bands. They look kind of cool. I have like filtering going on. So you would actually, there would be a lot more here going on with these bands, but essentially these are all just um, different time frame moving averages. So you can see we're basically just kind of trending in, in between, um, you know, our recent, our recent highs from last year. So like, you know, this really isn't the kind of price action we would hope to see, you know, we want to be a lot higher, but at the same time, I mean, Monero's price has shown itself to be quite stable. You know, we crashed down here back in June, but we've come up and we've kind of just been holding steady. Let's see. We've got also the uh, the fractal here that, <clears throat> unfortunately, it's hasn't played out like we hoped. But the other thing, too, is that we need – it's not just going to happen magically. It's not just going to, like, suddenly break out. We need some kind of um, – something to, to drive that like for example the mount gox bitcoin so it's looking like they're getting closer and closer it's always really slow process but people are saying maybe early next year now it's hard to say because the mount gox trustee has has not been known for how quickly he moves so anyways this is uh this is basically that fractal from way back way back in 2015 2016 and uh you know i've played with this as much as i can and and this is really about the most that we can extend this like we really you know, okay, maybe we could try and, and stretch it some more, but that, that's really not uh, 
you know, that, that's really taking it too far. So, um, you know, a little bit bummed that that didn't come out uh, as well as we might have hoped. But uh, yeah, that would have been, uh, you nice. know, that would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a big, uh, a big boost to the pocketbook, right? We go, go buy our toys and dark net stuff or whatever, buy our dark net dairy milk. For those, <laughs> for those listening, you know, des- describe, you know, this, this potential event you're talking about. You're talking about when they, when they give the, they, they're holding on to a lot of coins that need to be released. Oh yeah. So, um, Back in uh, 2013, 2014, one of the big drivers of that bull market was uh, was Mt. Gox. There was basically no other exchanges except for Mt. Gox. And really, they started out as like um, like a game token or like they sold a bunch of stuff related to uh, online uh, video games like World of Warcraft and, and stuff like that. But then, you know, they blew up really big with Bitcoin. And the problem was that they were operating these bots. They called them the Willy bots. And essentially, these willy bots were allowed to buy Bitcoin with dollars that they didn't actually have, which which massively drove the price of Bitcoin up. And then um, allegedly they got hacked. But a lot of people suspected that, you know, it might have been an inside job. And essentially, they drained all the Bitcoin and then there was no money. There was no Bitcoin. There was no dollars, nothing to pay people out with. So they collapsed and went bankrupt. Well, some of those Bitcoin were recovered, something like uh, I think it was maybe 200,000 Bitcoin. They, they sold a whole bunch of them. So right now they have about 141,000 Bitcoin. And those have been in limbo for eight years now. And there was this whole process that, that had to happen with the Japanese, with, through the Japanese courts to uh, rehabilitate some of the victims. Um, so you have all these people that have claims with Mt. Gox and you have 141,000 Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash that Mt. Gox is going to sell off or sorry, uh, is going to, um, uh, I guess, repatriate to people that, that lost them. And people can choose to take that in fiat or they can choose to take it in crypto. Part of it does have to get paid out in fiat regardless of what you want. But essentially what it represents is a significant amount of Bitcoin sitting on the books that people are going to get back. So this could be a negative price event for Bitcoin, could be a negative price event for crypto in general. But in a situation like we have with Monero, where the exchanges already have so little of it, it really takes only just a fraction of that Gox coin converting into Monero could potentially cause a big price spike. Like right now, Monero's Monero's Monero to Bitcoin, uh, the market caps are, it's about 0.7 or uh, yeah, 0.7%. Monero has about 0.7% of Bitcoin's market cap. And, you know, so you imagine, okay, well, maybe about half a percent, 1% of that Gox coin chooses to convert into Monero. It doesn't sound like much, but um, but it's quite a lot of money. And um, at the ratios that we have, we could be looking at anywhere between 20, 50, 100,000 uh, Monero being bought when these coins get released. There's other, like some some smart people have got on Reddit and helped me to understand that, uh, you know, I'm really, in some ways I'm oversimplifying the situation and a lot of people have already had the opportunity to sell if they wanted to. So this might not be quite as negative a price event as we originally thought, but it does still seem like there's there's potential there, but it's moving very slowly. So it's hard to it's hard to say for sure, but uh, you know, one can hope. Any, uh, any questions with the Mt. Gox uh, coin? No, or- no, 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 I mean, uh... Whatever happened to that guy Carpel? So I'm like, I haven't been following it. Oh yeah, he's out of jail. And uh, he <laughs> earlier this year he said uh, maybe his his timeline was maybe August or September, but you know he's not the so Mark Carpellis was the I believe he was the CEO of Mt. Gox. So yeah. he went to jail for a period of time, but uh, he's out now. And I don't know somehow he's still I don't know if he's involved or or what he's it seems like, like he's, he's like, like one still of the first evil evil characters of, of crypto right like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, i've heard different stories you know it might have been that he just kind of got in over his head didn't really know what he was doing yeah, that could yeah. Be possible. 
Yeah, it was amazing when you know at the time he re- it really served a purpose, right? Like, yeah, granted, it, it ended up being a scam, but um, it was right. Was it, it was kind of really the first exchange that that got Bitcoin out there, right? Yeah, yeah. There was a, a lot of um, big things that happened during that time for sure. I mean, it's, um, it's interesting it's, like, what you're saying too, because there is a chance that some of these people who have their Bitcoin locked up have since, you know, discovered Monero. I mean, they're, they're old school Bitcoiners, so they might be of, of the archetype that believes in true digital cash. Yeah, I think that's definitely could be the case. You know, you're talking about OG uh, Bitcoiners, cryptocurrency people, and it seems like the OGs, you know, they've had more time to discover, explore, and, and a lot of them have discovered and found Monero. Uh, pretty much all of us were, most of us were Bitcoiners years ago, and then we figured that, you know, we found Monero and, and realized that it's has many superior qualities. Okay. So I'm, I'm on different, so I, I'm, yeah, can you all see my screen? Yes. I'm just trying to make sure. Okay. I was just looking at the uh, YouTube and I, maybe my YouTube is delayed. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's the Monero-Bitcoin ratio here. Essentially, we broke out of this very large lifetime sideways triangle, which is nice. You know, at least we broke one of the triangles <laughs> since since we didn't get this one here. So, uh, you know, so far, price has just been relentlessly wanting to stay high. Like, I imagine that if the price, if they could push this, um, this ratio lower, they, they would. The one thing that maybe if they do push the ratio lower, it'll be probably on the back of um, pumping the entire crypto market. You know, they've got the tether printing machine or they've got their little ways and means of pumping the market and they pretty much choose not to put that into Monero for the most part. So here's a chart that uh, I look at fairly often. This is the ratio of um, the price on Kraken versus different exchanges. Let's see. The white line is aggregate. So let me remove that. Okay. So the red line is Binance. The yellow line is Qcoin. Green is Bitfinex and then blue is Poloniex. So there's there's kind of two ways you can look at this. The first one would be to just look at the ratio, like just the pure ratio. And this is in percent. So these are like, this is very small. This is like 0.1%, which really is nothing. And this is the kind of action that you would expect to see on on any chart on an honest set of exchanges. The, the difference between Kraken's price and all the other prices should basically be very close to zero and just oscillate. But if we go back further in time, we can see that there was period of time periods of time where that um, that definitely wasn't the case. Uh, let me see if I can get further back. Here we go. For example, when Binance shut down withdrawals back in August, when the rest of the crypto market was pumping and peaking, uh, in fact, we can add total onto this. We can we can just get a feel for how. Uh, oh, here we go. That's why. All right. So the blue line is total on top. And you can see that essentially as price was going up uh, here in August, they essentially diverged Monero's price downward by about, on average, one and a half percent, two percent. But this is just taken at the end of the candle close. So all of that intra action, like the intra candle action on the second by second time frames, you know, these are 15 minute candles. So we're not really capturing all of that. So the divergence is actually a little bit more than it appears. So let's go back to the five minute chart. Yeah, I try to look at this um, on the five-minute chart because it's a much more fine-grained uh, picture. So this, the smaller that you make the candles, like if you made them one-second or five-second candles, you would really get a much better picture of how um, that price divergence is behaving. But essentially, whenever Binance turns off withdrawals for any uh, length of time, we see price divergence. So lately, they haven't been too bad, but there is one more way that I like to look at this. So 
this is just like the raw number of, of dividing who, you know, Kraken's price, uh, or sorry, dividing Binance's price or other exchanges price by Kraken. But the other thing I do is I multiply it by volume because if you have, let's suppose you have a 10% price divergence, but nobody bought or sold any coins at that price, does it really matter, right? It didn't really, it didn't really affect anything. So what I do is I multiply it by the volume to see, you know, how that, how that might, um, you know, what kind of real volume was done at that price, because that represents real, hopefully represents some amount of real economic energy. Um, so you, you'll notice that the chart changes significantly when we do that. Um, interestingly enough, here in the middle of October, um, they actually did a lot of volume at, um, at a slight uh, higher price divergence. And um, if we look at the Monero price, it's interesting because you, you can see how that, that does kind of affect the price we had positive movement um, through that. And then right here, so price crashed and then they diverged the price upwards again. Lately, we've been on a slight negative divergence from Kraken. So, you know, it's, I guess that's not too surprising. It seems like the rest of the crypto market is pumping. And you'll notice that, you know, on very small time frames, let's go to the four hour. You know, we'll no you'll notice that we've kind of been dropping when the rest of crypto has been pumping. If you, if you really want to see something that's, uh, that's, I don't know, disconcerting, <laughs> disgusting. This is Dogecoin. Uh, Dogecoin today just did like, this is on the daily candles. Dogecoin just did a 75% pump here in like the last four hours. Um, I guess it's because Elon Musk bought Twitter. And so yeah. people are, that's, that's the main thing I could think of to, for, yeah, for why that would be the case. Definitely why. There's another chart I look at that, um, so this is all, these are like different cryptos related to each other. And it's kind of like, it's a way of looking at their relative price movements all on the same axis. Because, you know, if you try to put Dogecoin's price next to Monero's price next to Bitcoin's price, the axis is all messed up. And then you have to, like, you have to drag the, the candles and you have to, like, compress them or squish them. And, and it's hard to know, like, really what's appropriate. So um, this is based on something called Z-scores, which is standard deviation. So I'm looking backwards here on about 500 candles. We're on the one hour. So this is, we're looking back 500 hours. So basically, what was the average volatility and prices of the past 500 hours? And how is it moving relative to that? So you can see like Dogecoin is just massively taken off there. And then I do the same thing for very broad markets. So purple is cryptocurrency. Blue is the stock market. Yellow is gold. The gray is silver. Green is the Dixie. And then red is red is the bond market, like the aggregate value of the bond market. And so you can see that lately crypto is really, really pumped significantly relative to everything else. But the stock market's pumping a little bit, too. So the, the thing is that um, it looks to me like they're probably putting a floor on this market and they've been doing it for the past month. I really thought, you know, for quite a while, I held on to the uh, crash in October thesis, 13K October. But I've pretty much taken that off the table now and essentially for for a long time, what I said is, especially since the middle of August, I said, OK, this is the top. We're going to go down now and we're probably going to crash in October. And I kept saying the only thing that could save us from crashing would be central bank or government intervention, because there's just nothing left to support these markets. Well, that's exactly what we got. And, um, you know, if you're trading, it's really a good idea to have falsification criteria. Like you want to have a thesis, an idea, you know, your hypothesis of what the market is doing. And then you kind of want to trade off of that hypothesis as a broad picture. But then you also want falsification criteria to say, okay, how do I, how will I know when I'm wrong? And in this case, for me, that was, I was saying, if we see central bank intervention, if we see government intervention, that's, that's a big sign that, um, that the market might do something that I, that I didn't expect. So, um, and then you can see here that, Here's the price of uh, the chart of Bitcoin. 
And so we have the Bank of England. They restarted QE for a few weeks. I think they're ending that like next week or maybe they already ended it. They're, they're about to end their purchases of bonds. Essentially, the, the UK bond market was on the verge of I don't know if it was on the verge of collapse or if it was it was really, really problematic. Um, so the Bank of England decided that they would start purchasing those bonds outright to prevent um, the bonds mark, the bond market from uh, fracturing, as they called it. You can see that that happened like at the very bottom right here. This this structure right here is a very common structure of crash. Essentially, you come down, you make a big pump up and then you retrace all of it very quickly. And usually that means that you would crash down. But in this case, you can see the Bank of England basically came out and kind of kind of saved the markets right there. And then right here at this candle, the United, the United Nations said, hey, United States Central Bank, y'all are being, Federal Reserve, y'all are being imprudent and you're jeopardizing the global economy. So we pumped right after that. But apparently even these two things weren't enough because again, the market was still like on the verge of crashing. We still kept going down. And then finally, last week on Friday, this Fred, uh, Fed president came out and they she started talking about how they're maybe they're going to pause the rate hikes. Maybe they're, they're going to take it easy. And then there was also this other guy called the Fed Whisperer. I've never heard of him before, but apparently he's yeah, like popular and then TradFi. But he was like, yeah, they're, they're going to pivot soon. And that was like <laughs> that was at the candle open right here. That was at the daily open. So, you know, you can see that their interventions have kind of put a floor on these markets. And it seems difficult to believe that they would just do that for no reason, that they that they would just now suddenly the market will will just crash. The other thing is that um, this vertical line right here, that's the Fed meeting next week. And then here's the U.S. elections on November 9th. So I think at a minimum, we can probably expect to to keep reasonably strong action on both stocks and crypto all the way through the election. Let's see. Here's another chart that I oh, go ahead. What do you think the the interest rate is? You know uh, the amount that they're going to uptick it by. Um, I think it's I think seventy five percent or seventy five basis points is what the market has priced in. Yeah. Um, but the the real the real thing that people will be looking for, and personally I'll be looking for, because I really am probably about to get long the market again. I, I mean I have a Monero hodl that I just you know I keep around because sometimes you need digital freedom money. But you know with the rest of my stack I'm kind of just chilling in stable coins and gold, silver. So I am looking to maybe rebuy, get long the market here at least for a swing trade because what what the market is going to be looking at uh, on the Fed meeting is not not necessarily how much they raise this week, the 75 basis points. It's going to be their forward guidance because people have been talking about a Fed pivot or the Fed's going to pause. Their last meeting, that's what the Fed said. They said, hey, we're we're, you know, we'll probably raise 125 basis points through the end of the year. And then, you know, we'll it might be appropriate to pause the rate hikes and see what kind of effect that has on the economy. And, um, you know, the reality is that uh, pretty much since 2000, since the dot com crash, the market has become more and more reliant on um, on central bank policy. And especially with 2008, when they when they came up with quantitative easing, which is just code for we're going to print a bunch of money and buy a bunch of toxic assets to make sure the market doesn't collapse. You know, in, in the past, there was times where the Fed could raise rates and the money supply, the M2SL money supply could be contracting and we would still see stock market gains. But that was when interest rates were five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent. The thing is that the market in the kind of regime and profile that we're in now. The market is just heavily, heavily reliant on um, expansionary central bank policy, you know, and especially people have become much more forward looking about that. So we're kind of in, living in a different game now than it was back in the 80s and 90s. You know, the market is like the market is almost giddy over the fact that the Fed might pause rate hikes. So that will definitely it should. I shouldn't say definitely. Right? Who knows? Uh, but it should cause it should cause a pretty big rally here. Now, the real question is, will that rally die? Will it fade right. after the elections? 
I would think that they probably wouldn't, the market wouldn't just crash, you know, on November 10th, because then that becomes too obvious. So probably we'll get a decent rally, at least through December. But the real question becomes, what happens next year? Okay, maybe the Fed pauses, but are they going to be able to lower rates? Are they going to be able to restart QE? Because they're still selling off their balance sheet. So then the question becomes next year, well, what happens when the market realizes that the Fed might not lower rates at all? Are we going to retrace? Are we going to give that back? Which is why I think that we're probably in for this is a longer ordeal than people realize. Like a lot of people think, oh, this is the bottom. And maybe it is a temporary bottom for quite a few months. And maybe it is like the full bottom. That, that could be the case. But um, it's just, you know, it's good to be careful. It's good to be cautious right here. Because like, for example, the 2008 crisis, that unfolded over the course of like a year and a half. So we're, we're really not out of the woods yet, even historically. There are some good signs, though, that things are turning around. So what I'll show you here is uh, Dixie. And Dixie is just the relative value of the United States dollar to the euro, uh, a combination of the euro, Great British Crown, Japanese yen, Swedish franc, Canadian dollar, and um, I think maybe the Aussie as well. I don't remember. But anyways, um, the thing is that like the dollar has been falling in absolute terms because inflation is so high. But in relative terms, it's been performing very well to pretty much all of the other currencies. And the thing that, that people, people tend to miss or, or people tend to get wrong is that, it, okay, like it is true that the dollar has been falling in value in an absolute sense, but the Dixie gives us a picture of relative funds flows because the dollar is kind of a place of strength that people go to when there's times of trouble. So people in the European markets, for example, will, will leave the euro, they'll leave a lot of European investments, and then they'll just buy dollars. So it's not so much that the Dixie is saying how strong the dollar is in an absolute sense, it just gives you an indication of, of how fun, uh, funds are flowing. So one thing I've been looking at for pretty much this entire bear market is, um, so this is on the monthly charts. Right here is um, the summer last year in the summer. Okay, so right here is was in the summer. And then this has basically been the entire uh, bear market with, with the dollar rising. And the same thing kind of happened in the last bear market as well. Yeah, so here's um, 2017. And essentially the Dixie was rising for pretty much most of the bear market last time. Okay, so what we're looking at here is these blue bands and these purple bands. The blue bands are the uh, the standard deviation. And then the purple bands are kind of like a derivative of that. It's not the second standard deviation. It's a non-arbitrary, you know, so usually the second standard deviation would just be multiplied by two on the first standard deviation. It's really more of an iteration on it. It's it's not um there's not an arbitrary multiplication factor. But anyways, in the dot the dot com bubble, essentially you can see that we we got right into the zone here. And this is kind of where I've been expecting to get the entire time for us to finally have the potential to reverse. So um this is it's really not surprising that the Dixie is starting to pull back here. I think that there will still be more strength. I mean, the Fed is again, they're still gonna raise 75 basis points, and that's gonna take time to filter into the economy. And maybe even December they might raise again. So um we'll still probably be flirting with this area up here for some period of time. But we're finally in the zone where we might expect to see a reversal. Uh, so that's good because that that gives us the indication that crypto probably at least get a big rally as well. And then I guess the last thing I'll show you guys today is um, this is reverse repos. I recently started looking at reverse repos because what it is, is um, financial institutions putting money with the Federal Reserve overnight. And they get some very small interest rate or small yield for keeping their funds with the Fed overnight. Now, essentially, to me, what this represents is latent economic energy. Essentially, people that that have liquid cash, they want to keep it liquid, but they don't. Uh, they're they're not confident to to buy anything with it, so they're basically just waiting. Uh, you can see back here, this is 2021, right? Here's Bitcoin's peak right in April, and then you could see these reverse repos 
just continued rising. Right now, there's $2.8 trillion, sorry, $2.18 trillion being held overnight with the Fed. That's quite a lot of money, and it's not doing anything. It's really it's just people looking for, for yield. Yeah, to me, to me, this um, when we start to see this go down, that's probably a sign that um, we're, we're going to start to get some more long-term reversal. But for the meantime, you know, it still remains relatively high. Uh, so yeah, that was a new one for me. I, I thought that the reverse repos are, were pretty cool, but you know, that's, that's probably good enough for today. I, I could sit here and talk. Yeah. For we we can go on forever, <laughs> man, forever, but just, just one general, uh, how about this, you know, the scenario, do you think there's a scenario where, you know, the fed at the next meeting, you know, maybe they do 75 basis points, but then they, they forecast, you know, even, you know, stronger news that they're getting, that the, the, the fight against inflation continues, you know, and like they, they give kind of a more doom and gloom in terms of we have to, we're, we're staying steadfast with, you know, raising interest rates to fight inflation. Inflation really isn't getting any better. Do you think that could pound the market back down there's a scenario there yeah there's there's definitely the risk of that i don't i don't I think mean, that's, that's what been, they're gonna that's do in their tone so far they've been very black yeah. and white about it right yeah i think that's why the fred when fred, fed president Daly came out i think that's why she had such a big effect because the fed has been so hawkish for for the past year uh, and finally, at least one of them came out and said something that wasn't totally hawkish. But yeah, there there is that danger. The GDP numbers last week were pretty good. We uh, It was actually increased more than people were expecting. But on the other hand, that means that it might give the Fed confidence to say, well, GDP was great. Let's keep raising rates. Exactly. You know, the economy apparently yeah. is doing fine. Right, right, right. So, so there is that danger. It, it could totally happen. Yeah, the, the economy is doing too well. And so they <laughs> to pound it down. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, man, but amazing analysis. We could go on forever and you'll be back next week doing it again, right? Yes, sir. Awesome, man. Awesome. Thank yeah, you. I've got, I've got a whole bunch of stuff I'll show you guys over over the course of time and we can we can dive deeper into. Yeah, we're we're, uh, we're leaning Mexico, man, uh, for Monerotopia. <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys, uh, I'll meet you guys in Mexico City in a couple of weeks. That'd be oh, fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, cool. I didn't know All that. Right. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. All right. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's keep it going. Guess, yeah, let's keep going. We have uh, Tony with the news, my friend. Thank you, Body. Body, hang around if you if you like. Uh, otherwise, yeah, we're moving on. We're moving on. All right, guys. Thanks. All right, All right thanks. Cheers. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. All righty. Let's move on to the news. And now for our weekly news segment. Tony. Tony. Guys. <laughs> you guys have been mentioning Mexico, so um, <laughs> you have, I'm getting you have. ready. Look at that. You're ready. This has been a marathon show know, already. As usual. It's as usual. How long is the news? About two hours? Oh, what my God. Got? I can't. <laughs> In a minute. Two hours and one minute. And yeah. one minute this time. And wow, you, you have to share your screen. I yes. Think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the reason why it wasn't working before is because I was on Linux. And for some reason, Linux doesn't allow me to share my audio. Be careful. Oh, blah, blah. There we oh, go. We fixed it. We're good. Yeah, so we fixed it. I'm on Windows, so but for the people questioning, I do use Linux. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, so we fixed that. And before we dive into the news, because we have a little bit of things to cover. Oh my god, there's a lot oh of. Oh my likes. god. No, it's okay. But you know, it'll be um, quick. But before the links are in the description, so if you do want to check them out and or follow along, you can. So and subscribe, share, and like. Because that helps a lot. But other than that, let's get into it. So unfortunately, narrow news. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, Liz Truss didn't outlast the lettuce. Daily Star made a bet that the lettuce was going to outlast Liz Truss, the former prime minister, 
of the UK and the Lettuce won. But fortunately for Liz Truss, she's now eligible for a taxpayer-funded allowance of 129000 a year for life. Now, having said the, pres- the presidents, we now should talk about Rishi Sunak, which is present prime minister of the UK. And But the thing is, he's a bit peculiar. I think he's part of the WEF. I'm just going to play this clip of him because it's, it's kind of just weird. I'm a coke oh, addict, a oh, uh, total coke yeah. addict. Hello. And then I want to play this one as well because it was really interesting. Where is it? Uh, yeah, this. I have friends who are upper class. I have friends who are, you know, working class, but I'm not working class as well. <laughs> so he has friends in the upper class, but he doesn't really have friends in the working class. So this guy has a lot of money, and he has quite a bit of an influence. But now he's the present uh, prime minister of the UK, and um, he just released a video. The first thing, that, one of the first things that he's done is to release a video on the CBDC. Should I play the whole thing, or just yeah, like play uh, some of it? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get a taste. Yeah, let's get a taste. Today, I'm proud to say that under the UK's presidency. The group of the world's seven most advanced economies, the G7, is launching a set of public policy principles for retail central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. Central bank digital currencies could be a digital version of money, a bit like a digital banknote that could be used alongside physical notes and coins. Unlike most of the digital money people use daily today, it would be issued directly by a central bank, like the Bank of England in the UK. And governments and central banks across the world are working together, looking into what having a digital currency might mean in practice. This includes issues that people care about, such as ensuring users' money would be safe and secure, that it could work with other ways to pay, would be energy efficient and available to everyone. Energy efficient. (laughs) We keep going, man. We keep going. Oh, keep going? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I want to hear it. Potential CBDC could offer businesses and consumers new ways to pay in the future. It's all part of the wider story of digital innovation that has delivered benefits to millions around the world and in the UK. The decision on whether to launch a central bank digital currency is for each country to make, and no G7 jurisdiction has yet made that choice. These decisions raise important questions about the reshaping of our economy, financial systems, and the way in which people interact with money and payments. That's why working together and careful evaluation with our international partners is essential. In the UK earlier this year, I announced a new joint task force between the Treasury and the Bank of England to look into a potential CBDC as a complement to cash and bank deposits. We're also hearing from firms, technology experts and others. Under the leadership of the UK, this report today will help support and inform exploration of CBDCs in the G7 and beyond. With these principles, the G7 is leading an important step change in the global policy conversation. The report covers a range of important matters, such as financial stability, cyber resilience, energy efficiency, privacy, inclusion, and tackling illicit finance. These factors should all be considered when designing and potentially delivering a CBDC that would be fit for the future. Our shared objective is to ensure that CBDCs would be grounded in long-standing commitments to transparency, the rule of law, and sound economic governance. 
The G7 will continue its work in this important area, working with others to enhance understanding and use of these principles. We're excited to be taking a leading role with G7 members in publishing this exploratory work, bringing money and finance into the 21st century. Beautiful. It's, it's an information war, folks. It's, it's them versus us. We got to get the information out on Monero, let the people decide. But it's pretty scary that most of the sheep are just going to go along with the CBDC, man. That's scary stuff. Indeed it is. And it's kind of interesting that he just came into office and one of the first things that he talks about is CBDC. Well, you know, I think this video is 11 months old, but he has been talking about CBDCs. So it's quite concerning. But then let me show you one more video on this guy. And I'm just going to play the last part because it was just weird. <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. With integrity and humility. And I will work day in, day out to deliver for the British people. <laughs> <laughs> Think okay. Um, oh, I thought it froze. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just froze. his program froze. He froze. That's no, like he fr he was just. I have no idea. I think like they told him a glitch I, in the AI. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think uh, Elon Musk Optimus uh, robot just froze. <laughs> Never ends. <laughs> but it's it's you know he's kind of peculiar. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know much about this guy at all. I haven't really been following it. God, man, that, that's the first thing he does is talk about CBDCs. Come on. Yeah, he's like, all right, so you're in office. What, what, are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, nothing. I'm just doing some research. Nothing. Don't, don't why, why can't we have a Monero maximalist up there, right? I mean, come on. Well, you're oh. going to, but then they, you know, they didn't help you with it. <laughs> but now let's talk about something else. So in case Liz doesn't know what to do with her money, uh, she can actually go to a coming soon XMR sports book in Live Casino. Good segue. And uh, she can beautifully spend her uh, Monero. In case she's losing a lot of money, because she might not be great at it, she can just hold it. So that's also a possibility. And she can actually go on MoneroAdoption.org, which is a new website. And um, she can listen to Monero Talk. To <laughs> more... <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, to get more information about Monero, more podcasts. Maybe she wants to, I don't know, get a wallet, uh, read the official Monero white paper. Maybe she wants to get a Monero job. I mean, you know, she I'm not sh sure what she's doing right now, but she's the former prime minister. In case she's not doing anything, she can get a job in Monero. I love it. What's, so what's the name of this website? MoneroAdoption.org. I love it. So who's it's, it's, do, who, do we know who's involved? Who's the uh, creator? Whether... Anonymous. I don't know, FBI. Why? <laughs> well, what's the is there an anonymous creator name behind it or no? I think so. Oh wait, maybe Tim. I usually put it in the bottom. She Liz has music. I mean, she can listen to mm -hmm. narrow music, and so does Rishi. No, there's no name okay. over here. We could have somebody on the show, you know. To uh, I can. I don't know. I'll need to. Take we can find them and reach out to yeah. them. Yeah, but now let's move oh, on. And let's talk about uh, Twitter. Of course, we're going to talk about Twitter because the first thing that Musk did when he took over was fire Parag Agarwal and CFO Ned Segal. He posted... <laughs> that was funny. This. <laughs> Let's sink in. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, it's not synced in, but... <laughs> oh, okay, well, <laughs> also sync. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's kind of, I guess a bit off, but yeah, sorry guys. I'm not sure of mine, but whatever. Yeah, so he actually bought Twitter and obviously some people are not happy about it. Oh, it kind of sucks that it's not in sync. Well, kind of a little bit. I'm watching it right now. Yeah, it's fine. It's just, it's okay. little, yeah, it's fine. But some people are not happy. If you look at the person behind, <laughs> look. That was funny. She, she does not. is not happy at all because this Twitter executive helped decide to ban Trump. Now, I'm not sure if this is true, but maybe on Monday you could be seeing a tweet from Donald Trump. I'm not sure if this is made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Halloween. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe Halloween, or I'm not sure. Uh, Treats to the world. He's <laughs> so I'm not sure, but who knows? Maybe. But it feels like if that happens and people are coming back to Twitter, it kind of feels like bringing dead people back to life. Oh my goodness! To put you know, well, this it's Halloween. Is amazing. So Elon is the man, man. I love that. I love that he's doing this. The guy is. Awesome. I just don't know why he like. He's a Dogecoin. Like, come on, man. Just just get completely base and go go the Monero route, right? Like, if you're going to do it. Mm. All an act. Right? Well, I don't that's know. That's the one revealing part. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but he's Dogecoin and not Monero. It's like, hey, what are, what is, what are, where do his beliefs really lie if he's this, you know, true censorship-resistant uh, free speech guy? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not sure. I mean, the guy is running like seven companies and he has like 10 kids from what I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, like he's very busy. So if he doesn't know about Monero, he's got to know, man. He's, he's got to know. Yeah. He knows crypto. He's, he's, gotta he's, know. he's taking a good look at it. He's a busy guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to know. But if not, one of his 10 kids know <laughs> for yeah, sure. Eventually. Um, you know. Eventually. But. <laughs> This is funny because now, so she works for CNBC and she tweeted that it's happening. Entire team of data engineers let go. These are two of them. Now, as far as I know, these are not actual Twitter employees. They just had a box with computer hardware in it and pretended like they're <laughs> As far as I understand, they're visibly shaken. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure if they're actual, you know, if they're actually, if they used to actually work at Twitter, but let's also watch this. Should we watch this? No, it's. Uh, I just got let go. Uh, oh, it's kind of long. Never mind. Uh, but I do want to play the final part. He, he was basically trolling the entire time. But let's play this part. Shouldn't, you know, use women's uh, locker rooms, then awesome. I guess mission accomplished. We'll see. Listen, I got to touch base with my husband and wife. I got to get out of here, all right? <laughs> so he had to touch base with his husband and wife while. What's the other guy's name? Ligma. John. It's amazing though, people just criticizing all all the ex Twitter employees. Oh my god! Right, but it's rolling it. So interesting. And also, this guy was part of it as well, and his like, name. Really? I mean, that other guy obviously wasn't a real character, right? That was a a joke. I don't know. I think it's a joke. Yeah, like yeah. There's no way his last name is that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. So it's a whole, oh, that's something else. So yeah, so this was this week's news about Twitter. Obviously, there's a lot to unpack. And people think that you can already say whatever you want on Twitter. He just took over. <laughs> like, it takes time for him to update the policies or whatever he's going to do. So, Well, supposedly he has engineers looking at the code, right? To see if there yeah. was anything in there that was essentially uh, censoring people. 
Yeah, so I'm not, but he's gaining a lot of followers. Oh my god, he's he just gained like a million. Can you just give one to us, like to Manera? <laughs> just one. He has a lot of them. <laughs> just a million. Come on. Just one. over. Just one. But comedy is now legal on Twitter, and the bird is freed. All right. So mm. Elon Musk Twitter, and then you have you have Kanye that took over. Uh, what's the other one? What the podcast? No, the other. Oh, Parlor. Parlor. Yeah. I don't know. Is that in your stories? Tony, do you have mm, that one? No, I don't. No. Oh wow, yeah. Kanye is we were listening out of to his control. Like, interview last we were watching night. is it uh, half of it because after a while I was like, I need to stop. Literally made popcorn to watch it. <laughs> and it's I highly recommend it. It's actually so pretty it's entertaining. entertaining. I don't know if you can sit through the two hours and a half of it at Kanye in one on, sitting, on Lex but... being interviewed by Lex. Ah yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah I've seen yeah. like a little bit. Yeah, I saw I've been watching it in like segments because it's like yeah, it's worth the watch. It's worth oh. the watch if you have a lot of time. But yeah, it's well. Well, the last one I think he posted was like seven hours. So yeah. this is okay. getting better. But yeah, yeah, no, I watched a little bit of it. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't covered that. But let's talk about PayPal okay. now. If Liz wants to lose some of the money that she's getting, she can use PayPal. So remember the, the draconian clause PayPal added to its TOS a couple of weeks ago that will enable them to steal 2500 from your account every time you post anything you, they don't like? Well, after the widespread criticism died down, they put it right back in. So let's dive in. Essentially, you know, people have been tweeting about it, closing their accounts, and then they made they made it in such a way that you couldn't close down your account because they're losing a lot of customers. Now, Charles V. Payne tweeted, my PayPal account is still open. I got this reply, which totally ignored what I wrote in my email to the company below. Now they are insulting my intelligence. So an acceptable use policy notice recently went out in error that included incorrect information. PayPal is not finding people for misinformation and this language was never intended to be inserted in our policy. We're sorry for the confusion. This has caused, never mind, they put it right back in, never mind. So let's read about the user agreement that you have to agree or subject to if uh, you're using PayPal. I don't. My friend was actually trying to get me into PayPal two months ago, and I said no. So I guess I had some instincts. But if you're a seller and receive funds for transactions that violate the acceptable use policy, then in addition to being subject to the above actions, you will be liable to PayPal for the amount of PayPal's damages caused by your violation of the acceptable use policy. You acknowledge and agree that 2,500 US dollars per violation of the acceptable use policy, the promotion of hate, violence, racial, or other forms of intolerance that is discriminatory or the financial exploitation of crime. So the moral of the story, don't use PayPal. <laughs> don't use PayPal. Done. They're done. Yeah. it's. Uh, but maybe you want to use Kazakhstan's CBDC that's coming on BNB chain. I hope that you don't, but it's coming. So the National Bank of Kazakhstan and KB will integrate their CBDC on the Binance chain. Less than a month later, on October 6th, the Kazakh Financial Services Authority granted Binance a permanent license to offer digital asset services and provide custody services. It was around this time that Binance also signed a memorandum of understanding with local authorities in an effort to help fight uh, financial crime. So 
CBDC is coming to Kazakhstan. They're building it on Binance. Wow. Yeah, I know. Okay. But remember when we when we got the beer from that stand, they were actually accepting BNB. Really? BNB chain uh, related uh, crypto assets. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. I didn't realize that. Well, you were yes. talking a, sh a shadow of uh, Wu Tang Clan. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're still you're still part of Wu Tang. <laughs> he was trying yeah. to join the group. Did we post that video yet? No. Uh, no, actually, we oh, have uh, we haven't posted the one with the coconut guy. I mean. Oh, we didn't make our mashup of the trip. No, I'm okay. waiting for the script. Actually, I just need to, I need to, I'm going to uh, tell you, I need to finish the description for the mashup because I actually did finish it. And then Sunita needs to approve and we'll post it. But the long form one, I'll do that one as well. I have the short one right now and then I'll work okay. on the longer one. All right, that's fine. All right. Yeah. But Nigeria and CBDC. So while others are, striving to push for it and there's excitement there's not so much in other parts where the adoption is 0.5 percent i didn't notice but actually nigeria has a population of 217 million which romania has like 21 million <laughs> so they have a lot of people and just 0.5 percent actually use the cbdc uh, the e naira but a lot of people 35 percent aged 18 to 60 had owned or traded cryptocurrencies this year. So, so this is a good, I mean, it shows people are, are just opting for regular crypto and not really embracing CBDCs. Exactly what this thing says. Nigerians want crypto, but they don't want government backed crypto. All right. People are smart. Yay. People are smart in Africa. So interesting. It's very interesting. This should happen international, but since we are talking about foreign countries let's talk about china and their spies which allegedly use wasabi wallet mixer to pay bitcoin bribes to fbi double agent peter said stupid thing to get worked up over this chinese spies return and by the people they tried to recruit the privacy of their coin coin simply wasn't relevant and what taxations are wasabi coin joins is easy to figure out the lesson here is China trust Wasabi. That's good. Uh, so that's man, they, they yeah, get so, so these are the Chinese spies, I suppose. <laughs> or the people that, you know, after they found out that uh, Elon Musk took over, there's a demographic that wouldn't like that. But yeah. And now let's talk about more things about Bitcoin. Let's talk about a compliance. So John Carvalho tweeted, Please stop thinking that Ethereum nodes being OFAC compliant is a dunk on Ethereum. The same thing could have happened to miners or LN nodes. And someone said LN nodes are major routers and are highly centralized. Yeah, and this is this is something that we should uh, really worry about. Uh, centralization of miners and like network nodes could happen. Could happen. Not Monero. Not in Monero. The max baby. <laughs> not in Monero, but in Ethereum, as we know, it is possible because sixty-three wow, percent. Oh my gosh! I actually have a, a very good chart to show after this one. Sixty-three percent of Ethereum transaction blocks are now OFAC compliant, right? But then, if we look on this chart, OFAC compliant block visualization—the last one hundred blocks, right? Oh yeah, ninety-nine out of one hundred enforce OFAC censorship, yeah. but one doesn't. So what are the arguments? What are what are the people in Ethereum saying that are, are you know arguing that this like you know 
effectively doesn't doesn't mean anything that's not leading to some type of censorship do you know what argument they're making i haven't spent a lot of time i don't know anybody anybody out there who knows you jump on uh later let's let's talk about this if you if you know ethereum well what's going on over there i'd like to understand it better is it really as bad as it sounds i mean that's that's ridiculous Uh, who cares what they do oh yeah okay who cares what they do or don't okay and inside it was inevitable ofac censors people from speaking about it it's becoming a tool for cbdc Check to include all blocks. It's the new number go up coin. I, I, I think so. Because Ethereum guys don't care about this. They know it's centralized as fuck. And that's okay. Yeah, so... Yeah, it would be cool if we had someone from the Ethereum community to explain. Because um, obviously we don't like it. But maybe that they have some different thoughts that they can tell us about this. Someone made a joke in the comments that hashtag 174 is actually Vitalik's <laughs> block. <Yeah. laughs> it's Vitalik's Buterin's <laughs> block. And the rest are just other people the last thing yeah the last thing so this is a video about it's in spanish oh it has subtitles so this one is a video about the bitcoin diploma that you can get in el salvador <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah so kids are studying very hard to to learn about bitcoin and what it does so we can take a little bit of a peek over here and they're teaching them about uh, halving and um, all these things, but I wonder, I, I don't think I mentioned this in this video, but I wonder if they actually talk about privacy on Bitcoin and how important that is, or, you know, censorship, because they are talking about, as you can see here, uh, halving and things like that, but it's, it's exciting to see, but it's also kind of scary. It feels like it's like, shit, man. I hope they're teaching those kids the right, the right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Everything else is a shit coin, right? <laughs> you just write that down, and and uh, yeah, combat planner says. I'd, be, I'd love to get my hands on what that educational material is. So yeah, like, is the word fungibility in there? Yeah, yeah that'll be interesting. I'm not sure. Maybe we can. Oh wow, well, it'll be cool if we had one of. Maybe Mark falls down to go down there and investigate this. What what are they being taught? What are these kids being taught? Mm-hmm. That would actually well, be a great, great one. Gunbat said on that video, one of the kids says Bitcoin is anonymous. Oh God! All right. So I don't know, but I mean, honestly, it's an overall good thing because at least they learn about it. Yeah. Unfortunately, they'll have to learn the hard way <laughs> once they get out into the real world. <laughs> yeah. Unfor- yeah, unfortunately. But I mean, hopefully they don't build a shell around what they learn. That's the only thing. Because yeah, if no, they just a, get that information. Yeah, it's a good starting point. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good starting point. Yeah, it's... El Salvador, it's amazing what's going on down there. For better for better work, you know, I've always said I don't like the, the way it was essentially done by fiat, but um, mm-hmm. it's it's pushing everything forward. Mm-hmm. It is for sure. And we need uh, a Monero diploma. <laughs> someone needs to do that in some country <laughs> that'll be awesome yeah. but yeah this was that was it that was it for this week guys that was everything all right awesome yay there's more and more i mean the thing is these cbdc's are moving forward and and this is we got to keep it we got to like keep tabs on this this is tremendous news it's happening so fast mm-hmm Right, I mean, it's that's why there's so much news. This is real. It's real. Really? Yeah. I thought this was imaginary. <laughs> <laughs> They're ramping up against us. It's true. 
Um, they are. But it's been a pleasure, guys. Enjoy your Halloween. Thank Have you. a good Have Saturday. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony, so much for your new segment. And we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Bye, guys. Bye. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. It's the Viewers on Stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today, ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news topics. Come on down. We still have Body here. Hello. In El Salvador, Bitcoin, Bitcoin is fiat. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> I put the link in the description for other people that want to jump on if they want to jump on and chat jump if on, not, folks. i feel like i've i've talked for quite long enough today yeah yeah so do we so do we i know i know sunita wants to take <laughs> off that wig yes it's actually very uh, itchy but yeah if anybody wants to jump on now's the time well you know make make moves make moves make moves my friends make anybody moves. that wants to talk about the next monerotopia body what do you think um because originally we were thinking if we did it in mexico that we would try to do it in February alongside Anarchapoco, but that seems like an aggressive schedule. Yeah, um, it would. I think it would be better if, if it was done after Anarchapoco. So I've gone early to Anarchapoco and stayed late, and there's definitely more people afterwards. Um, you know, because people will come, they'll get excited. Some people will just be like, "All right, I'm just going to stay here." So, so you'll probably be more likely to find more people coming to the conference after Anarchapoco than before. Interesting. All right. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking along those lines. And in terms of that, well, we were actually thinking of just doing a completely different time too, like just doing it in the spring instead of February. Obviously, then we wouldn't be benefiting from an Arcapoco. What do you think we're missing out if we're not trying to go off their coattails? I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, a lot of people do events centered around that time frame, but it's also it's not as big a conference as it used to be. Like back in 2017. 2018, 2019, you know, we were talking thousands of people, but there's not quite so many this uh, or now. Yeah, we were down there in 2020. Uh, I'd be curious, though. They had that HBO. What was the HBO? Oh, the Crypt. Mm-hmm. I forget what it's called. Right? Yeah, the documentary. Yeah. That, that might have brought and that might be case, yeah. some, some attention. Yeah, we got to. Yeah. We haven't watched yeah. it. Yeah. The whole events surrounding the murder of John Galton, that kind of, that was one of the things that put a damper on uh, on the conference but who knows maybe the hbo documentary will draw more people back yeah yeah we were there yeah, we when people that happened at, people <laughs> us, asking well, us about it now all the time yeah right? well I re- yeah i remember hearing about it while we were there about the, the fight with jeff right oh yeah the one we yeah, went yeah, yeah. jeff got in a fight and like got punched in the face like, the <laughs> yeah we, that was like the incident of the week and we're like oh my god <laughs> like this is, this is a crazy, crazy that was that was a very interesting trip yeah. yeah, and the guy. Yeah, I think it. Face, we interviewed him on the beach, but we. I don't think we ever posted. No, I don't the video. think we posted I found it, it on my phone. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah I, was saying, I, don't think, I don't know why we didn't. I don't post know it. why either. Actually, there was a yeah. reason, obviously, but I don't remember why. So maybe we might Here's post the, it. Just to yeah, jump. we should get it up there. <laughs> was it a voluntary fight? Did they both consent to throw down? <laughs> I I think they did. I don't know. No, I don't. Know. I remember the interview. Like he was like, "Yeah, like I punched it." Like it was a funny interview. There was a reason why we didn't post it. Yeah. It's so mm. funny. <laughs> what ebbs. But yeah, it's definitely definitely fun scene. We're trying to get it uh get hooked up with uh gratuitous down there. Yeah. So to to supply the coffee for Anarchapoco. We're in talks with oh, them. that'd be cool. I don't know if that's gonna work out. Yeah. Gotta say. Too yeah. many conversations going on. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, it looks like but nobody yeah. else is jumping on. We will we good. will leave it at here, folks. Like we said, if anybody 
you get the next 10 seconds otherwise we're gonna we're gonna peace out we're peacing out body anything anything else you want to bring up no not right now thanks uh thanks for having me on i really appreciate you guys thinking of me to uh to do the price report after a fungible took off no, definitely thank you we're very excited that you're on board you're part of the team now. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank it. you, man. Much appreciation. A fungible. If you're listening, uh, we're going to send you the the donations that were sent when people were voting on Monerotopia location. So we will send that. Thank you so much, everybody. We yeah, will thank uh, you. see you next week. We'll see you next week. Thank you, body. And thanks everyone. Body, see you in Mexico, man. See you in Mexico. Adios. Peace. Have a good weekend. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this week's Monerotopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey, or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Monerotopia Telegram group. See you all next week.